From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Carol Bousquet with the news on this day in Maine, Wednesday, March 8, 2023. This Day in Maine is made possible by listeners and by Now You're Cooking. Celebrating 23 years of selling cookware, kitchen tools, gadgets, and fine wine on historic Front Street in downtown Bath. Open seven days a week. And by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation, offering basement waterproofing solutions. EasternBasements.com. A resolution supporting U.S. efforts to help Ukraine repel the ongoing invasion by Russia erupted into a contentious debate on the floor of the Maine House of Representatives Tuesday. As Steve Missler reports, the skirmish mirrored the increasingly partisan divisions over the year-long war that could potentially affect U.S. involvement in it. The resolution praises Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky while denouncing Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion as a barbaric and imperialist conquest that has killed thousands of Ukrainians and forced millions of others to flee their homeland. It was sponsored by Democratic Representative Rebecca Millett of Cape Elizabeth, who compared the Ukrainian resistance with the birth of American democracy and citizens' inherent right to self-determination in both countries. Ukrainians want no less for themselves to live in peace, with human dignity, to chart their own future with their democratic government under the principles of sovereignty and territorial integrity. If it were us, we would not accept anything less. But several Republicans, including Minority Leader Representative Billy Bob Falkingham of Winter Harbor, described the resolution as filled with, quote, war drum rhetoric. He warned that such language, along with U.S. support for Ukraine, could draw the U.S. into a direct military confrontation with Russia. This enthusiasm for what's going on in Ukraine needs to stop. We need to stop this war propaganda. Falkingham and other Republicans also questioned the U.S. funding of the Ukrainian resistance, saying the U.S. is funneling security and humanitarian aid to one of the, quote, most corrupt countries on the planet and at the expense of American interests. Republican Representative John Andrews of Paris described Zelensky as an aspiring autocrat, arguing that the conflict between Ukraine and Russia was best handled by countries other than the U.S. This war is ugly, as all wars are ugly. Russian conscripts fighting armed Ukrainian civilians until the streets are red with blood is nothing the world wants or needs. This is a European problem that requires a European solution. Andrews also lamented what he said was the disappearance of the anti-war left, and he urged what remained of it to join what he described as the America First right. But his reference to America First has a historical connection to the isolationist movement that some argue kept the U.S. from assisting Europe as Nazi Germany rampaged the continent during its violent campaign of territorial conquest. Kennebuck Democratic Representative Dan Sayer noted that connection, adding that the initial America First movement was also rife with anti-Semitism. His comments prompted Andrews to shout for a point of order and a challenge to Sayer. The member is out of line questioning the motives of other members, and if he wants to call me an anti-Semite or a Nazi, he can do it to my face. Thank you. Sayer apologized, saying he meant no offense, but he stuck to his argument that the America First movement of the 1940s kept the U.S. from intervening in World War II earlier than it did. And because of the power of that isolationist approach of one party in our government, 
we were ill-prepared to enter into the conflict that was forced upon us when an attack came to our shores. Other Democrats drew additional parallels between the Ukraine conflict and America's early reluctance to support Europe during World War II. Cumberland Representative Steve Moriarty compared Putin to Adolf Hitler, calling him a deranged conqueror who feeds off Western deference while pursuing a violent military campaign against his neighbors. If we think at this time that dictators can be rationally dealt with, that their demands can be satisfied while avoiding the catastrophe of war, we are deluding ourselves yet again. The debate in the main house bore close resemblance to the one taking place nationally, as more Republicans questioned U.S. involvement in the war, while Democrats largely maintained their support of Ukraine. The resolution ultimately passed 87 to 54, with nearly a dozen Republicans joining Democrats in approving it, and just one Democrat joining the Republican minority. But the vote was a marked change from the one that took place nearly a year ago on a similar resolution supporting Ukraine, Back then, just two lawmakers opposed it. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Steve Missler. The small downeast town that has been eyed as the future site of the world's tallest flagpole will soon vote on a large-scale development moratorium. Nicola Grisco reports. Columbia Falls, a town with fewer than 500 people, has spent months hiring new attorneys and planning consultants to help prepare for the possibility of a multi-billion dollar veterans memorial park and flagpole, which the project's founders had said could generate thousands of regional jobs and bring millions of visitors to rural Washington County. Attorney Amanda Methought says a six-month moratorium will give the town time to plan and possibly write new ordinances that could protect the town from the impacts of any large development. The last thing I think any of us would want to see is, you know, a multi-phase project only getting half built and then it's just sitting there rotting and not creating more value, not creating more tax dollars. Columbia Falls selectmen say they haven't heard from the flagpole's developers. Reeves Across America founder Moral Worcester and his sons in months. The developers said last fall that they were reevaluating the business structure for the project, which had been originally pitched as a for-profit venture. The proposed moratorium will be up for a vote at the town's annual meeting on March 21st. The town recently surveyed Columbia Falls residents about the moratorium proposal, and 82% said they were in support. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Nicola Grisco. The organization trying to restart a shuttered Hampton Waste Facility is asking lawmakers for help. Officials from the Municipal Review Committee told a legislative committee Wednesday that they might need the state to guarantee a $20 million loan to restart the facility if they can't find a private partner. MRC Board President Karen Fusel says they'll soon run out of funds to maintain the plant if they can't find a solution. Even if the board votes to explore partnership with another entity, we must simultaneously pursue an alternate funding source in case the private sector option does not yield results. MRC is down to its end of its resources, and if a path to restart funding is not identified by early summer, we will be forced to liquidate the facility. Our time is running perilously short. 
The MRC manages waste for 115 communities across eastern, central, and northern Maine. It has been forced to landfill or burn much of its trash since the Hampton plant closed in 2020 due to startup and financial challenges. Lawmakers on the Environment and Natural Resources Committee are now considering whether to create legislation to help the MRC. The Land Use Planning Commission today stopped short of issuing a moratorium on short-term rentals in unorganized territories, but said the proliferation of Airbnb and VRBO listings is resulting in complaints from residents in those areas. Stacy Bayer is the commission's executive director. The commission did not uh, direct the staff to consider a moratorium. Um, what they requested that we do this morning is additional research, reaching out to stakeholders, getting community input, and developing a framework of how that would look if we were to propose that kind of requirement. Among residents' complaints is the strain on territory wastewater systems that are designed based on the number of bedrooms a property has but can be overwhelmed when short-term rental occupancy exceeds capacity limits. Parking and noise issues have also been reported. The Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission is considering tighter rules on the minimum and maximum sizes of lobster that fishermen in Maine are allowed to catch. As Nicola Grisco reports, some fishermen are questioning the proposed change. Officials from the Commission and Maine's Department of Marine Resources say recent assessments show a troubling decline in young lobsters. And because Maine's lobster catch is by far the largest and most valuable of any other New England fishery, proactive measures might be necessary to protect the spawning stock. But at a recent public hearing in Freeport, fishermen said they were suspicious of that data, partly because Maine's landings have generally trended upward for more than a decade. And some, including lobsterman Lewis Cameron, say the Maine industry is being unfairly regulated as compared to fisheries in other New England states and Canada. He says Canadian lobstermen come into the Gulf of Maine but wouldn't be subject to the same restrictions. Because Canada's still going to fish. They're still going to have their cameras. They're still going to do whatever they want to do. And we're going to flip the bill. The Fisheries Commission could change measurement sizes by a fraction of an inch in certain parts of the Gulf of Maine if and when certain numbers in the young lobster population are reached. Or it could simply implement these changes in phases starting no later than 2026. Maintaining the status quo is another option. The commission is expected to meet in May to make a recommendation. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Nicola Grisco. Six more women have filed lawsuits against the Roman Catholic Diocese, alleging that they were sexually abused by a priest serving at Lewiston and Portland parishes between 1958 and 1967. 70-year-old Patricia Butkowski was six years old when she says Father Lawrence Sabatino of St. Patrick Church in Lewiston sexually abused her. She says her mother confronted the diocese, but later learned that the priest had been transferred to a Portland parish where he allegedly abused at least five more young girls. It was not until 2005 that I found out there were other victims. I'm doing this for my mother. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing it for all the other victims, children in their hearts that still cannot come forward. A total of 20 lawsuits against the Catholic Diocese have been filed since a Maine law removed the statute of limitations on civil complaints. The diocese did not respond to our request for a comment. 
by airtime. And that's today's Maine News. For more stories, visit mainepublic.org and join us for Maine Calling at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm Carol Bousquet. Thanks for listening.